everyone, welcome back to another episode of Anime House, and today we are doing a long-awaited episode that we have been in the works planning for, at this point, months. Uh, we're going to do Vinland Saga. So we've discussed Vinland Saga, I think, here and there in our previous episodes, like time and time again. It's, it's a show that we both really like. The manga is fantastic, and we've like talked about it multiple times, but we've never really sat down and done an episode for it. I think we did the first season. Um, and we discussed primarily Askeladd. So if you want to watch um, our thoughts on the first season, we do have an episode on that um, that we recorded some time ago. And it should be up on the channel. So please take a look at that or feel free to watch that. Um, we didn't go into too many spoilers. We did have some spoilers in that episode. But we didn't talk about too much in terms of like details throughout the show. And uh, we're probably not going to be doing that this time around as well because we're just focusing more on the second season and the continuation of the show as a whole. So just a heads up, if uh, if anyone wants to want, like listen to our thoughts on the first season, it's up. Um, this episode will be primarily focused on the second season. And yeah. But yeah, um, I think I can, I can kick it off. The show is... Uh, Second season was amazing. It was so good. It was so, so, so good. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, as a word of warning, of course, obviously, spoilers be warned. Um, there will be spoilers talked and discussed in this episode, so just make sure that if uh, you already know what happens, you don't care, or you've already watched it, we'd love to have you. But if you want to be spoiler-free and you're still like waiting to finish it, would definitely recommend finishing it before listening to the episode. But yeah, I mean, like, the second season was amazing. Uh, the ending was super good. I think the whole arc of, like, a redemption arc was really, like, very much needed. And I think, like, seeing and, like, the way they made that into an entire season was kind of incredible. And, like, we really did see Thorfinn battle his demons in a lot of way. Um, and that was, like, a big motif and theme throughout the entire uh, season. And it was really special. I know there was a lot of criticism on this season specifically on how it wasn't like as action packed or as like as much as the first season, but I completely disagree. I think like beyond action, and this wasn't really an action season. And it's not supposed to be an action show. It, it's like it was so rooted in the idea of finding oneself that I think anyone could relate to it. So I think it was like a really beautifully written uh, season, and I can go more into details. But Francisco, what do you think? I think um, I think uh. A lot of times there's like people, right, who go into action series hoping for like a good blend of action entertainment. And obviously there's a lot of really interesting points where similarities of it. You can like easily point out, oh, yeah, there's a lot of action. It's like, it's a historic, it's very accurate historical piece. Um, but I think um, the some of the big turnout for me when it came to Vinland Saga was the fact that I heard things about the author, right? I read their previous... Um, I read the previous manga, which had a lot of similar themes, obviously, like when it comes to authors, it's like they have like a truth they want to say when it comes to like the story they're writing. Um, you can actually see this, like, for example, in Togashi, Hunter Hunter, and then Yu Hakusho. But the the cool thing that I like about Vinland Saga is that it touches up on war and like slavery and how that has to do with freedom. Because like me and me and Nikki are big fans of, well, one of one of the shows that we like bonded over a lot was One Piece. And like they do a lot. It's a very... <laughs> unexpectedly it's a very political show um even mm -hmm. though like, luffy isn't aware of but like most of his actions are highly politically driven for example like slavery is a 
it's very straightforward to slavery is a thing in the One Piece universe. I mean, it's quote unquote banned, but like the um the higher ups can do it. Uh, so that that has that in common. But like Vinland Saga takes a different approach in that we see it, but most of all, we actually see it from the perspective of the the protagonist. Uh, and it's just out of everything, the protagonist goes through like such heavy trials that like there are things that just in the modern day we can't really like comprehend but the author does a really good job at expressing like what that would kind of look like but in, in a very impressive character arc that you don't actually see too often it's a negative character arc so well i mean the protagonist it starts up when, since he was a child he loses his, his father um and i'm assuming that most people have seen at least uh, Vinland saga one and like the father knew like the truth and like quote unquote another thing that happens is like what does it mean to be a true warrior right because it comes from a culture um the what's the viking culture right which is like has a lot to do with valhalla if you die within the battle then you like get to live in this valhalla kind of like a heaven equivalent and while all of that was cool the thing about vinland that i always felt was really nice is just seeing what this does to a person i mean like he's at the end of the season second season he's like what 22 which is effectively very young for for our age, for our era, but like during that time, he's considered like a grown ass man, and like the things that he's gone through, like what, like four years of slavery by the end of the story, and like what it means to actually be in the other side instead of like the pillaging that he and the pain that he did, what it means to like actually like grow food and and like sustenance and like just like things that are actually like meaningful within society instead of just like taking and stealing and like causing pain, which obviously he did. We see the two perspectives in that aspect, and. There's a lot of people talking about, I, I keep thinking of our friend, um, he says he didn't really like season one, mostly because of the protagonist. Uh, I mean, one, the guy was a child. Uh, I mean, I, I, I defend season one being, like, fantastic, like, pretty much even as a self-contained story, but, like, with the jointment of season two, I feel like it's a complete story. Um, like, mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if the author, like, stopped then and there, because if, it really feels like, this, like you, you had your fill after you watch season one and then season two um obviously the the series actually keeps going and i haven't been actually caught up for like i think i saw i read the next part of the story right which was pretty it was nice it was nice too it was cute but the big thing is like after this season he tries to actually go to vinland and like you know start like something over there like a country of peace and whatnot which is cool to see but i just haven't I just like after season three, I was thinking, oh, maybe I I don't see I don't see it ending because obviously, like mm-hmm. if it's historic and if it's accurate, like the guy failed, quote unquote, to find the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe maybe the historic accuracy like ends there, and like been and, like Dorfin does manage to do that. I mean, yeah, I think I don't I don't know if it's like truly steeped in uh, historical accuracy, and that's something that I think about um, with in in regards to the show as well. Just how like how the sh- how the narrative was written in regards to how like the story was being told and i think more than historical accuracy i think we're just meant to follow the story of like thorfinn and like i think it really is in a lot of ways a story about humanity um and i say that because there's that one line that's been memed and you know everyone knows it it's like i have no enemies i think it's a really beautiful line obviously it's like it's like very popular in pop culture now, but like <laughs> the reason I think it's amazing is because like I think I have no enemies is like almost like a double entendre where it's like it, it's like 
you're you're saying not only that you don't have any enemies physically and obviously in the world, but like I think it's also referring to your internal demons, where it's like I've accepted who I am as a person. I'm not going to let my demons drag me down, right? One of the coolest scenes I think in the entire show was when he was battling um, like Asklad and like all the people he's killed and the zombies and they were all grabbing at him and he was he was like I can't like I he was like losing himself in that his anger his pain like frustration like all of that right that was beautiful and um, one of the things that I think that line serves to tell is that like this is a story about someone who's fighting and fought his demons who's kind of gone through hell and back who's been through so much but is so resilient and so to that to me that's the perfect story of humanity i think that's what humanity is like and i think like we kind of see all of that in thorfinn right and like we see him go through all these struggles but we see him fight his demons fight his inner demons fight through loss through pain through anger and still be resilient and be like I have nothing, like, I have no enemies, like, I have no obstruction, mentally, physically, whatever, like, I am who I am, and that is who I am, and that's a beautiful thing, so. Yeah, it's weird for me to really sit down and think about the series, one, because I think it's, like, it's it's insane how good it is. <laughs> yeah. How, like, that one line that you just mentioned can, like, hit so hard, especially in the first time reading it, and depending on, like, where you are in your life, and... I'm rereading it after like a couple years and I'm able to follow along a lot more on the second read, right? From the actual like plot points because I remember when I was initially reading it, I wasn't too sure what like the king uh, was doing. Um, but I vaguely remember that I really like Canute's character because I mean, it's a joint character kind of um, progression for both Thorfinn and Canute. And uh, like yeah. the conclusion to their stories at the end, from, at the end of season, um, season one. Mm-hmm. And you get to see like two men who are trying to like reach the same goal but like through different means and Canuth being like the person who actually has power because you know he's even admitted it that he's a king he can actually make shit happen but sometimes it ends justify the means right it's just more mm-hmm. kidney things and the, the, the one thing that I didn't really pay attention to during the first reading but like started to hit a lot is how he wants to save the Vikings mm-hmm. and it hits a lot because obviously Canuth was very religious he was a he was a Christian right uh, it was yeah. during the rise of Christianity. So, like, obviously, the Vikings, when it comes to, like, the religious test of Christianity, they, they're not a people that you would ever expect to be in heaven. But obviously, yeah. they're his people. Like, one-to-one, mm-hmm. he's the king, and uh, he could take the approach of just renouncing them and, like, have anything to do with them. But obviously, he cares about people. He, he feels that the way that things are right now, just, like, looking around him, is, like, this, this how could... I mean, it's a very religious piece where, like, you start questioning your own religion. And it's like, how could God allow something like this to exist here? This this is weird. And there's a lot of that yeah. going for it. I'm not even, I'm not, like, I'm not well-versed to even talk about that. But I think it's really cool in the fact that you can see that they're both trying to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And the is still a very reasonable kind of person. I think one of the cutest things was the confrontation between Knuth and, and Thorfinn. Mm-hmm. Like and then like at the end, Dorfin's like quote unquote his um he just went there and he's like could you stop what you're doing? <laughs> and it was yeah. The thing because I I didn't laugh the first time but the second time reading it I did laugh. Um, I was like because mm-hmm. after he realized 
what Thorfinn was doing because initially he was still like fighting and stuff like that because he remembers Thorfinn the warrior, the, the like the vicious yeah. warrior, and he was expecting something like that. So, but he he understood like what he was probably gonna get himself into, or he yeah. had a big idea of what was gonna happen. But the conclusion that like once you know, because Thorfinn was a realized person in like his convictions, and once that hit Knuth, he realized because Knuth has his own demons. Uh, from mm-hmm. the crown and stuff like that, and he was going through that, right? Exactly. And it was almost impossible to see a, another solution. But him seeing mm-hmm. Thorfinn like do this was like a liberating moment for him to the point where like the story ends up wrapping because Knuth was a real person. He was like the one only king of the North Sea. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily know too much about Knuth, and I'm not too sure if there's a lot of like things written on him outside of like a few small things that I'm sure the author has read about. So he has a lot of liberty when it comes to. Like what what they can like write on the character, right? But without a doubt, like it was it was thanks to like that liberty that he was able to like even write something that could be remotely, if you would look into the accuracy of it, be like, yeah, this makes sense. This meeting with like Thorfinn led to him even being a quote unquote benevolent king. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just I, I wasn't sure how they were gonna like tie up Canute's thing with Thorfinn, but that it's so weird that Thorfinn says, "I'm just gonna run away." Hmm. I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> like, the fighting is pointless. I think he's kind of realized that, too, in a lot of ways, where it's, like, what's the point in, like, these pointless, like, shenanigans, I think. And that's what I'm saying. I think, like, Thorfinn, in a lot of ways, is, like, a realized person. Like, a realized human. Yeah. And, like, in, in a lot of ways, I think he represents humanity. And the, both the best and the worst aspects, right? And I think that's what the show to me is about. Just, like, the, the humanity of, uh, of what, what it is to be a human and what it is to be a person. I wish I could, like, think about something specific. But the other thing I did want to talk about is, like, often when I look, and this is actually kind of relevant because of, like, live-action adaptation of One Piece that kind of just recently aired. I think of a lot of, like, live-actions that exist out there, especially when people ask, what would make a live good live action? I usually point at three stuff. It's like one Black Lagoon, um, and then Vinland Saga. I did used to have uh, what's that one Cowboy Bebop on there because I thought oh, they can probably do it, but obviously that didn't turn mm. out too well. But I still think yeah. from just because live action is like kind of popping right now thanks to One Piece, mm-hmm. I feel like Vinland yeah. Saga could make a really good live action series. It would be really interesting. I think it'd be really dark, but yeah, it could definitely be done. Like, there's no like myth- mystical elements. It's very like, like Norwegian Ice Age type, and like it can definitely be done if they want to do it. But I mean, whether they do it or not, we'll see. I think One Piece has opened the gates to really being like anything being possible, which I think is a big deal. Yeah, like the most quote unquote outrageous thing is just Dorkill from season one. Did show up mm-hmm. because like what he flings a, a tree. Like fifty yards or something, like some un- unreal number. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's not. I don't. I don't think that's impossible to animate. Like, I guess the real yeah. issue would be finding people who are who you know actually want the thing to succeed, and of course, getting the greenness from the author, I would imagine. Or yeah, yeah, that's always. Uh... But outside of that, it's like nothing magical. It just needs good acting people who care about yeah exactly exactly yeah even like adapting season one will be sick yeah but i don't know that's that's for another day but 
I just I kept thinking about that when I was reading it, just because it's on my head. Um, and then it brought the question like, why, why, why do we adapt? Why do we continue to adapt these stories? Um, and that's just that's not that's even outside of just manga too. I mean, obviously there's a one-to-one adaptation from like manga to anime, um, just yeah. Adaptation. Um, but just more in general, like, why do humans keep adapting stories, like reimagining stories, recontextualizing them, right. and whatnot? Like the Iliad, for example, or even like mm-hmm. older texts like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's something in the stories that there's people want to, people want others to experience. Their life lessons, their morals. There can be so many different things. Yeah, and it's just I don't think there's ever gonna be a time where we don't adapt them. But I don't know. It's just random things that I've been thinking about as I was reading the series. I'm not so sure mm-hmm. if I'm gonna keep reading um, Vinland Saga though. Interesting. Uh, how come? Because I'm sad. Because I'll be sad. If he can't do it in the, in this universe, I guess. I mean, I guess, but I think like the whole point at the end is just hope, right? Like it's yeah. it's not that there there's no guarantees, and I think he says that too. There's no guarantees that it can actually be done, but he can hope, and he can he can put he can go, he can hope with a vision, yeah. and uh, that that's what I mean, right? I think it's a very human show where it's like at baseline we all want to believe that we can do it, whether it's possible or not. Like that's irrelevant as long as we try, right? That's how we know. So I guess recently I've been like more, more um shot down by the realization of everything around this. But it's yeah. nice to read a story like this that at least gives you some hope that, because like, I mean people are very resilient even yeah. in the situation that Thorfinn finds himself. It's not inaccurate that he can still find happiness. But like yeah. story when it came to another slave, a friend of theirs, like Einir, the um. The girl sleep who was like kind of like the pet of the master. Um, mm-hmm. When Dorfin says like there was nothing I could have said to her, uh, like to keep her to keep living this life, because it's just it's just death was honestly better. Option, yeah, things to set her because like she went she went through it. Yeah, and, uh, reading that makes me at least fortunate that we live in the modern era, even though it's still not obviously not the best. It's mm-hmm. it's sick in many ways, but. Yeah, it has its advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I I remember when I was like in at high school or like middle school or something like that. People would ask me, "Oh, if you could live in any any time you would you would want, where like in keeping your memories, where would you want to go?" And I just keep thinking, I don't want to stay here, man. <laughs> it's just like just I keep thinking mostly because during that time I also learned about like polio and stuff like that. I was like, "Oh, wait, that was mm-hmm. a thing," and like that scares me. And it's nice mm-hmm. just to have like modern medicine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The other thing, yeah, you see all of these crazy, oh, yeah. small things. I say small, but I mean, what you could die from a from a yeah. rusted nail yeah. easily, right? <laughs> and then you see all of these crazy battles that Dorfin's going through, and I'm just sitting here thinking, how yeah. is he not dead? He's literally the one percent. Like, like you should be dead, bro. You're you're a six year old child in in a, a war torn yeah. state, and every like, just people are so fragile. I mean, how many people? died in this season just oh it's, it's just yeah oh, no. it's uh yeah <laughs> i've never really thought about that but yeah just, i would not yeah man like biggest i hate i hate beats like i get i feel like i get so easily too yeah that's maybe not the move <laughs> yeah but i don't know that's just it's weird but that's that's as much as i can say about it outside of like this is definitely one of those stories that I feel someone should experience at least one mm-hmm. time in their life. And I'm really 
hopeful that one day there would be a really good adaptation of this because I, I generally want other people to experience like this this story that I just don't feel is often adapted in Western media. Yeah, it's very it's very much overshadowed and overlooked, even by like many people who watch anime. Um, don't really, I think, give it as much praise as it deserves, in my opinion. It's a fantastically created show with so much depth, and I can't recommend it enough. Like, we'll, we'll keep this episode brief and short, but I think overall, there's only so much you can say, I think, but the, the TLDR and, like, why I think we're both on this is just, like, it was so, so good from front to back that there's so, they're, like, because it's so good, there's so little to say, you know what I mean? It's it's rough, yeah. The messaging is just something that I want others to yeah. think about at least yeah. minimum. Um, and it's it's just most people are attracted to like you know the flash. The difference between this and season one. Season one is definitely a lot easier to like convince someone to get into it because of the yeah. action yeah. side of it. It's more prevalent. It's more like grandiose, kind of like a, a story of myth, right? It's like bordering the time of like knights and fairies exactly. and whatnot. And it's cool because it's like a unique historical piece. So it's a lot going for it. But season two is so gentle almost, but like morbidly dark because of the whole slavery right, aspect. Yeah. Of it. But just and there's like and the 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 tension comes from like who Thorfinn became, which was like mm-hmm. a slave. And there's a lot of comedy involved with it. There's a lot of things and just things being said about what it means to be a person, like how far, how, how difficult it is to yeah. be kind. But it's just, yeah, I think we should just keep it yeah, brief. Keep it brief, keep it, keep it small. But yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic show. It's amazing. Um, I can't recommend it enough. And we do hope that you guys will watch it. With that being said, I think we'll call this, uh, we'll call this a short and sweet episode. I think uh, in terms of what we're watching, I think we'll do an episode on that soon. So keep your eyes out for that. And, more of what we're going to be looking for for the fall season. Summer season's wrapping up uh, very shortly, so we'll definitely be doing a fall episode and maybe a recap of what we liked during the summer season as well. So keep your eyes out for that. We'll probably have that done here in the next month. So with that being said, um, have a good one. Take care, stay safe, and uh, we can't wait to get back to you guys with more episodes. I know we've been a little inconsistent, so we're trying to get back on that consistency route. So once we kind of get back on that, um, you'll be seeing updates from us very consistently and very constantly.